Greetings, my nerds. Nick Jarin here of Northwest Nerd, voted Seattle's best local podcast. We have a really fun show for you today that I think will probably stoke some debate as you listen to it. With the first trailer for Avengers Infinity War out, we wanted to take a look back at how we got here to the culmination of all of these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. So we called up Damian Randall of the Curly Nerd podcast for this week's roundtable episode. We each ranked our top three MCU movies and discussed why we did so. And I think that you'll notice some trends in the ways that each of us did this. And I may or may not have gotten away with the hottest take of the entire episode with my pick for number two. I might have cheated a little bit. You be the judge. Uh, Go comment on our rankings on our Facebook or Twitter if you're not following us already. And why not, really? You can find those by searching NWNerd, two words, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There's also links to all of those on our website, nw-nerd.com. In case you missed it, also, uh, Dyer took us to the nerdiest place in all of Vancouver, BC last episode, and we want to hear from you on that. What are the nerdiest places in your neck of the woods? Hit us up on social media or drop us an email at nw-nerd.com, and uh, we might just find our way out to one of those nerdy gems. Okay, so without further ado, this week's roundtable with Damian Randall of Curly Nerd. The culmination of the last 10 years will be hitting theaters in May, but we finally got our first look at Avengers Infinity War with their first trailer. So uh, let's play a little bit of that before we move on. You see some flashes of some of the characters that we've been following for the last 10 years on the big screen. They all take turns seeing a piece of Nick Fury's speech from the first Avengers movie. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles. That they never could. Out May Ooh, That's quite the ride. All right. So um, with Infinity War coming up, we thought we'd call up a podcast friend and do a little exercise with the Marvel movie. So joining us on the show today is Damian Randall of the Curly Nerd Podcast. Hey, Damian. Good day. How's it going, guys? It's going great on our end. Thank you for joining us. I've been actually looking for a good excuse to have the Curly Nerd on the podcast for a while. <laughs> yeah. This is great. And just and just so full full disclosure, uh, the other half of Curly Nerd is Jess uh, as well. Who, yeah, uh, Jess O'Brien. We've has a Seattle connection as well. And uh, Damien, you're down in Texas? I am way down in Houston, Texas. Yeah. Uh, Jessica is from Seattle. She was born and raised in Seattle and moved out to New York about a year ago. Uh, but she does travel back and forth to Seattle pretty frequently. Uh, she's actually in Seattle right now as we speak, but she did uh, have some family obligations that she's attending to. Yeah, that makes so sense. I, it's it's that time of year. Yeah. Yeah. So we're stuck with you, is what you're saying. Stuck with me. Uh, <laughs> I am the less attractive half of the equation. So hey, we're all we're all it. on a podcast for a reason. I was going to say that's yeah. why we podcast. <laughs> I have a face for radio. Right. <laughs> but uh, for some of our listeners who might be unaware of the Curly Nerd, can you kind of walk us through what, uh, what a common episode for your show sounds like and kind of what people can look forward to when they tune Absolutely. into your show? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Jess and I met several years ago through mutual friends, through our love of comic books and nerddom in general. Uh, specifically, she was looking for a particular issue of Thor on Twitter, and I happened to have that issue, and um, it just sparked up a dialogue, and we realized that we had a lot in common when it came to talking about comic book stuff. About a year or so ago, we decided to take those conversations that we normally have and just start recording them and put them in podcast form, and that's how the Curly Nerd Podcast was born. We, we talk about comics, TV, movies, uh, anything related to kind of the sci-fi comic book sphere. And it's a lot of fun. We, we actually have met a lot of good people through that. Uh, so there's, a, there's actually another podcast that's Seattle-based called About to Review. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, that guy, John, and Tim. And uh, they're good friends of ours, and we, we collaborate with them a lot. Tim but a typical, Paul, who uh, I think is a Seattle PI. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah, I like um, we, um, and But a typical, a typical episode for us is really talking about what's going on in TV, movies, and comics for that week and putting our little spin on it. One thing that we do try to do uh, at least every couple of episodes or so is to highlight some type of creation that kind of just below the mainstream that a lot of people might not know about, just to give them a little bit of light. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. We also travel to a lot of Comic-Cons and, and talk about those as well. Yeah, I came across so, some, uh, yeah. I think, New York Comic-Con videos. Naturally. Uh, through your guys' account, yeah, which I guess makes sense now that mm -hmm. just is over yeah. there. Yeah. So. Uh, well, thank you for coming on the show. So what we're going to do today, our, uh, our little look forward by looking back, in a way, we're going to run down each of our top three Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And uh, I think the only rule here, really, is that it has to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we're not including the, the X-Men movies yeah. that are over on uh, Fox or the, the Sony Spider-Man movies that happened before Spider-Man Homecoming or the, right. uh, the, the two... Actually, three just horrible Fantastic Four movies. In case, <laughs> in case those were on someone's top three, just kindly strike those out those are part and of bring the in your runner-up. Or not. I mean, they never really explain that. Well, so. it's going to be really confusing for Michael B. Jordan, then. Yeah. It's, oh, that's very good. That's yeah. very true. All um, right. So, uh, Damien, since you're our guest, uh, we're going to count upward, downward, from we'll, three we'll start to one. At, we'll start at three to one. Where What has taken us to where we're at right now? How did we get here? Our oh, favorite man. films. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Damien, you want, you want to kick us off? What is your third most favorite Marvel film? All right. The pressure is all on me. Okay. <laughs> this one was actually the toughest one, believe it or not, because one and two were already pretty much set in stone for me. Yeah. Um, is it okay for me to tell you what I almost picked? Yeah, what yeah. I, I have, okay. I have a uh, honorable mention myself that I was going to say later. So. Ah, we always cheat like that. Okay, <laughs> so I'll get I'll get mine out of the way. I almost picked um, Thor Ragnarok, um, and, and the reason that I almost picked that was because I think that this movie, in terms of the, um, in, in terms of the I guess the Marvel tone that they're trying to set in movies, like that balance of of comedy and and action and, and adventure and so forth. I think Thor Ragnarok kind of hit it on the head, and and obviously, and hopefully this is not a spoiler. I hope most people have seen the movie and seen the uh, the after credit scene. Basically, leads us right to the doorstep of Infinity War, so to speak. Yeah, uh, that almost made the cut, uh, but I I gave the I gave the spot to Guardians of the Galaxy, and the reason that I gave it to Guardians of the Galaxy was because um, it. 
I think it was a, it was the first foray into again presenting a lighter side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but still having stakes, having having things on the line, and having a sense of um, urgency in the movie as well. Like they were they were obviously up against something pretty serious in, in Ronan the Accuser at some point, and I think this movie. Um, shows that you can have fun with the movie, which I'm assuming Infinity War will probably include some aspects of that in there, um, but also including that cosmic side, which brings Thanos into the picture as well. A lot of people don't realize that Thanos is a cosmic character, and by bringing the Guardians of the Galaxy into the fold with Gamora and Nebula, who are both related to Thanos, uh, you have that connection to Thanos that you probably didn't have other than some guy floating on a throne on some weird moon somewhere. And yeah, that's actually so. a very good point too, because guardians really kind of expands. Whereas, <clears throat> you know, we have Iron Man, we have, right. you know, even Ant-Man, all this stuff's essentially, you know, the Marvel universe is New York at this point, yeah. bringing in guardians. It's like, Oh, so this universe is going to go beyond earth. You know, this is right. going to actually, this is going to be much bigger than you think. And then they have kind of the same giant arc with these stones. Right. And the, and the other thing about the Guardians is it also serves as, to me, it serves as uh, a bridge between Earth and Asgard. We mm. see people go to Asgard through the, through the, through the, uh, <laughs> the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. Um, but we don't really get a wrong, sense though. of... Huh? <laughs> I said you're not wrong though. It is the Rainbow Bridge, the Bifrost yeah, was, Bridge. Yeah, yeah. I was playing Mario Kart yesterday, so that it stuck <laughs> in my head. Bifrost, it's the Bifrost. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, but by including the Guardians in there, you you do get more of a sense of scope and size. You you get the sense that this is a vast, vast universe that we're working with, and if Thanos is a threat to that vast universe, and he has to be a huge threat. Yeah. So that's no. it. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy for me. Number I think three. it's a good one to kick it I off. I think uh, I don't want to spoil some things that are coming up in my list, but I think that Guardians deserves a ton of credit for being the MCU's best example of a filmmaker's singular vision being realized on the screen while also playing by the rules of the rest of the MCU. Like, Guardians hits that perfectly for me. It's funny. The action is convincing. I think it has a ton of emotion that it carries. And it, it made a star out of Chris Pratt, who previously yep, yeah. we thought was just the goofy guy on Parks and Rec. Well, that yep. and, you know, um, Guardians for the most, I mean, unless you were a comic book fan, for, the, for the, the movie-going audience, you may have heard Iron Man, right? You, you may have heard Hulk, but you probably haven't heard as much of this space ranger out there you know guardians of the galaxy and bringing that in making it such a smash hit that's quite a that's quite a hurdle to overcome so yeah i was i was in a fred meyer a couple weeks ago actually and i saw a tissue box with marvel characters on it <laughs> and it had captain america i yeah. i think that things like this have a surprising amount of uh relevance to where we are culturally with these characters it had captain america thor black widow and rocket raccoon on it now if you'd have told me 10 years ago that rocket raccoon would be on that same tissue box as uh captain america and thor i would have slapped that tissue box out of your hand and told you you that this is an alternate future you're talking about so this this is a theme that i'm I'm getting because uh nick also uh co-hosts sometimes or a guest host on uh, too beautiful to live uh, another podcast with uh, luke burbank and our friend andrew yeah and uh and that 
tissue boxes have come up there too because you've gone off on like Star Wars tissue boxes. So what I'm getting here is that <laughs> Nick, your 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 uh, rating level of success in pop culture is how far you get on a tissue box. Well, not uh, not necessarily success, but like your cultural saturation where. Okay. Enough people are literate in not only who this character is and what they're about, but yeah. have good feelings towards them as well, that you can put them on something as simple as, yeah, I'd have this on my table. Yeah. You know so what I mean? So I like, could have like a really terrible cold, my head is pounding, but I feel a lot better about it. It's rock, you know, the raccoon's there. It's rockets there. Rockets there. <laughs> uh, now, I know what I, now I know what I need to strive for. <laughs> I need to get on the tissue box someday. <laughs> No, that's that's not a terrible goal. And, you know, and also uh, for director James Gunn to come out and kind of really make that who I don't know if you guys know this or not. His brother is Sean Gunn from Gilmore Girls. (laughs) Yep. Sorry, that's an that's a that's an ongoing uh, annoying uh, joke that I keep playing on Nick. He's raised that fact like at least seven times on this podcast. He plays Kirk, by the way. Never seen an episode of Gilmore Girls. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. (laughs) See, this is what's nice about these roundtable episodes. We get other voices in here who don't make me feel bad for not getting a lot of Dyer's references. We just we only want more voices of people that have not seen Gilmore Girls just to make me feel. Uh, I'll tell you what, Damien, later on I'll send you an email of uh, top five shows you should watch. Just get yourself started. Anyway, I, Nick, do you want to go? I, I, I have two friends that watch Gilmore Girls, and I judge them harshly because of it. So, good. I, I have no shame in saying that I am a Gilmore guy. Uh, oh, my goodness. Nick, do you want to you go for your yeah. number three? Yeah, number three for me, um, and I'm glad that Damien brought this up as well, is Thor Ragnarok. I think that similar to my comments about Guardians, this is the one that finds a really nice balance between leaving a director and a cast to do kind of what they wanted with the MCU toolkit. And I think that just looking at this movie is amazing. Just visually, it's it's stunning. I think that Taika Waititi brings a lot of heart and personality to a character in Thor that I didn't really care about until this movie. And I think that that's a pretty huge achievement considering that I've seen a total amount of screen time with him on it, like at least six hours with this character between his own two movies and then all of his time in the Avengers ones as well. And up until then I was like, this guy just shows up and swings his hammer and he seems like he's having a good time, but I don't really care. He Um, he did. He wasn't really that deep in any of those films too. And I think, I think you hit a nail on the head by mentioning Taika Waititi there, because if you watch like what we do in the shadows, if you watch, the other stuff that he does. Yeah, Wilder People especially. Yeah, like that humor, I mean, that's clearly just an injection of, of his humor into the film. I mean, he had to have brought all that. Damien, you actually had a really interesting point on your guys' podcast where you mentioned that you actually talked to somebody from the like Maori culture who actually, yes. they said that they like spotted things in the film that kind of kind of goes under the radar for most people. Right, and, and he said it was all over the place and, and throughout the entire film. Um, and... And when I went back to watch it with my niece a second time, I caught everything that he that he was talking about. And I was like, this is this is this is the best thing about having different voices and and quote unquote unproven directors uh, getting on big movies like this. And that, like you said before, with Guardians of the Galaxy, they can stay true to the source material, but still place their own voice on top of it. You get a truly unique experience by doing so. Yeah, no, I I actually put a rule on myself that I was not going to mention Thor Ragnarok because it's still too fresh. I'm still mm. I'm still high off the Ragnarok. I, I can't. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I I didn't. I thought like it would just kind of uh, influence me a little too much, but it was very hard for me. I not think to put that, that it's that uh, incredibly rewatchable. 
I think the character work done in it is great. It looks stunning. Yeah. The um the only things that I ding it for are the action feels a little too choreographed at times where it mm. just feels like I'm watching something that was planned months and months ago and it doesn't have that same vibrancy that the rest of the movie has. Like some of the best scenes are just Thor and uh Bruce Banner hanging out together because you can tell that those actors are so into what each other are doing and when Thor's like sun's getting real low getting real low he just keeps on repeating that to him yeah that's some of the best part of that movie and having that lived in quality is what i think really works for it and i think that even though it's so connected to the rest of the mcu you can watch this one alone and you'll still get it which i think is really important when you're ranking these that well that and you gotta have you have to give credit to jeff goldblum and tessa thompson they could have probably done some like throwaway character stuff there but first tessa thompson Greatest entrance ever for for a character <laughs> yeah. with Valkyrie. Um, but also, yeah, and, you know, Jeff Goldblum essentially being Jeff Goldblum. But, like, just kind of having that character in there. They could have just showed up and, and called, phoned it in, you know. But they actually, I think, went the extra mile. I really I really liked Valkyrie a lot more than probably another actor or actress would come in and, and have, uh, you know, just done it straight up but yeah for sure well what's, what's your number three dire let's go on to number three so this is uh well first of all i'll, I'll mention my honorable mention which was uh spider-man homecoming it almost <laughs> almost made it in there i am very impressed with it i think i'm still running high off it a little bit but just just to give some credit out there where that's due uh number three iron man three really yeah interesting so i thought so here's the deal not really in the the core arc of Infinity War, you know, seeking the stones and things like that. This is an Iron Man movie, um, but it's a movie that I don't think any of the other films have done, in which you are really dissecting the character of Tony Stark, and in a way that they really haven't done before. This is a guy suffering essentially from PTSD and uh, going through kind of a, a mental drama that not really anybody else has done in this whole universe. And I think especially during this time when we have a lot of other social things going on with, you know, military, we've got ongoing wars and things like that. It's kind of a backdoor into an issue that I thought was kind of an interesting take and a way to do stuff. Um, that alone, and just to, you know, it's not the strongest big bad and fighting at the end, but it also kind of does have this espionage political thriller thing kind of going on, which I thought was a little bit different. I think it just, it had all this originality in there that, uh, was a lot different than a lot of these other Marvel films where it's usually just big bad. Like, you know, Thor Ragnarok, as much as we just praised it, it, it is a similar big bad, go run around, do some stuff, fight the big bad at the end, do like some big crescendo of some awesome Led Zeppelin, and then the movie's over. And then with Iron Man 3, there's a lot more to it than that. There's a lot more subtext, and I think I'm the only one who probably has this opinion. I know... Uh, I'm the only one who really gets it. I'm the only one who really well, gets it, guys. I know your, your you know partner, what? Jess, would disagree with me because uh, me and... I think her and I vehemently disagree on Iron Man because she actually liked Iron Man 2, if I remember correctly. She and, does like Iron Man 2. And I fell now, asleep he, during that film. <laughs> here's what I will say about Iron Man 3. Um, it, you actually make a, a very good point about it. I think of all the Marvel movies that we've seen so far... Iron Man 3 is probably the best pure character study that we've seen. Um, remember, this was the first movie just after the first Avengers movie. Yeah. And I think it was the only movie where you felt an emotional weight from the events that happened in the Avengers. And and Tony Stark's character took that head on 
it broke him down as a man. Uh, I mean, literally all the way down. And yeah. he had to rise from it and, and realize what he was really made of. And it was the only movie that that I said, like I feel, has that emotional weight carried throughout the movie. Now, was it the most enjoyable? Maybe not. Um, I did like it more than Iron Man 2. Yeah. Uh, but we also it, it also was in the uh, the unenviable position of coming right after the Avengers, which was, you know, a pure superhero shoot them up, bang them up flick. And you come right back here with a very scaled down character study. It's like, oh, uh, OK. I, I kind of contrast it with Thor, the first Thor movie, right? Which the, mm-hmm. these are both films that are doing the hero's arc, essentially, where they're supposed to come out on the other end, having some kind of having evolved in some kind of way. And right. in Thor, you know, it was he was supposed to evolve some humility. He was supposed to become a better person and therefore he earns his hammer back. And Thor really didn't, like, it didn't really pull that off. He just kind of picked up his hammer again after, you know, eating some fast food out in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. I mean, that, that's, Smashing coffee mugs at diners. Exactly. That, I mean, there really wasn't that kind of feel as much as you have with Iron Man, where you really feel that you went somewhere with this person. And at the end, you really feel that, oh, we have a new Tony Stark now. Like, this person has really evolved as a character and as a person you know, he's actually going to the surgery. Sorry, spoiler alert, a few years late now. But um, <laughs> I think he's we're fine. getting the surgery at the end, and he's actually, you know, he's building all these Iron Men for a reason because he's just, you know, he's freaking out throughout the whole film. So anyway, Iron Man 3, Nick's been shaking his head at me the whole time. Uh, but No, I think this is, this is a yeah. fine choice. I also did not, I also put another rule for myself that I was not allowed to pick uh, Iron Man because I felt like, that one is so beloved and really kicked off this entire universe. And if that movie had not been as successful as it was, we probably we might not have been where we are today. Um, I I did the exact same thing. I said I would not do Iron Man number <laughs> one because that's that's probably the obvious choice for yeah. what set everything off. And now we find out that Nick's number one is Iron Man one or something. No, you told me that a couple <laughs> days ago, and I also refrain from picking Iron Man 1. All right, cool. So, spoiler alert for the rest of the podcast, nobody picked Iron Man I mean, 1. Yeah, the, the 1A above all of our top threes is Iron Man, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. like, it I, I think there is, it, there is an argument. Like, that movie was so unexpectedly successful and well done and enjoyable, just, just straight up enjoyable, that we, the Marvel Universe that we have might not have really come the way that it has and been as successful as it has like if they would have started with Ant-Man, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure we would be here. Um, yeah, Iron yeah. Man became the style bible for the rest of the MCU. Yeah. So, sure. right. moving on uh, to number two, Damien. All right. Uh, number two for me is Captain America Civil War. Ooh. And the reason that I picked Captain America Civil War was because um, – Leading into this movie and hearing about the size of the cast and the number of characters that were going to appear on the screen, I developed a little bit of anxiety, which I now refer to as the DC anxiety. <laughs> and that how do you get a lot of characters on the screen, give them ample screen time, but make their presence meaningful at the same time? It's, it's very difficult to do. But... Uh, you know, Captain America: Civil War was technically uh, it was technically the uh, the third Avengers movie, if you ask me. Yeah, right. Um, but but the thing that it did was it gave me confidence in that whenever Infinity War eventually comes around and we see 
however many hundreds of Marvel characters on the screen at one time, that they'll be able to pull off that balancing act and, and make it meaningful at the same time. Um, like I said, I, I was I was really nervous going into it because I was like, man, they because I think at one point they said that they were going to have like 50 or so Marvel characters oh. in this movie. Or that's what they said. I was like, ah, oh, that's a lot. How are they going to do it? I don't but think, I think they, they pulled, pulled that off. off, did they? Did they? Did we reach I mean, fifty in that? Film? I think they might have. There was a lot. I mean, in they another, I mean, another maybe not Marvel, costumed, but that was also the launching right. ground for Black Panther, essentially, right? Right. So that yeah. gives us the Black Panther exactly. film coming out next. Best year. character in that movie. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, it was also launching ground for Spider Man too. So, I mean, we, I mean, if. If the success goes, I mean, with Spider-Man being as good as I thought it was, Black Panther is going right. to really knock this out of the park. But uh, right. no, that's actually a really good uh, choice. The only fault I have with that film is I have this uh, this pet peeve of when in television shows they do this too, especially the uh, like the DC shows on the CW or in movies where they just have some open field, some open space, <laughs> and they just run at each other. It's just yeah. and it's just very dramatic. And they run, I'm like, how many times do we have like? There's got to be better ways of like fighting each other than essentially trench warfare that we haven't learned from. Yeah, that's like you know? revolutionary war yeah, style exactly. tactics. Like just, we're all just gonna come to a field. Yeah, you line up on that side. You line, line up, up on this side. You say Red Rover, Red Rover. Send <laughs> and Captain we run, on we over. Run towards each other at top speed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, overall, I think that that cool movie shot, did. Though. And that the other thing that I think that movie did for me, and I did actually genuinely love this movie, was I did feel it was a little crowded uh, story wise. And they, I felt yeah. like they had to kind of speed through. Um, that being said, I mean, yeah, no, that's definitely right up there. And another, I think, unexpected hit. Usually when you have something like uh, Civil War, kind of like Batman versus Superman, I feel that right. it kind of has this layer of gimmick over it, you know? Like, it's going to be Civil War. We're going to have all a like, clash of characters. But it wasn't. It, like, the gimmick really wasn't there. It was genuinely a really good movie and a really good story. Yeah, the best thing that Civil War has going for it is that it looks the MCU's main problem, which is its villains, right in its face and says, actually, we're going to have the heroes fight each other because that's yeah. more interesting. Like That's that's what makes that yeah. movie work. You feel that the Marvel villains aren't as good as the... No, who is the villain in Civil War? Everybody. Our heart. Baron Zemo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, and it's, it's a fight for the soul of the Avengers. <laughs> but, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like There is still a supervillain in that movie, but no one remembers him because he ends up being really inconsequential because they end up tearing each other apart. And that's hmm. that's what makes that movie work. Number two for you, Nick? Number two, yeah. Um, let me preface this by saying that Uh-oh. similar to what uh, you said, Damien, about um, Civil War being... like You give it a lot of credit for succeeding at allaying your anxiety to, to whether or not they could pull something off. Hmm. Um, right. A lot of what we enjoy about the Marvel movies as nerds is the anticipation of getting these things. If you'd have told 12-year-old Nick that we would be 15 films deep into a Marvel Cinematic Universe, I wouldn't have believed you. And I still get really excited about the new ones that are coming out. And I think that half of the fun really is getting to look forward to the ones that are coming out. And Dyer's giving me a I weird face now. That. No, I'm trying to think of it because, like, I, I bring up Ant-Man earlier, and then I was but I was really excited to go see right? Ant-Man to the point where mm-hmm. I, I'm a still, and now I'm excited to go see Ant-Man and Wasp. Yeah, or it's, it's part that, of the reason why Guardians of the Galaxy worked for me because I was right. like, oh, my goodness, Marvel's just going to straight heat check everybody yeah. and see if they can hit this <laughs> shot. It's very hard. And they did. It's very hard to have that Christmas morning feeling 
as an adult. Yeah. You know, and Marvel is essentially just serving that back up to us. Okay, so with all that said, uh, my number two movie is unreleased yet, oh. and it is Black Panther. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I see how you did that. Because this is the Marvel movie that I am more excited for than any other one, and if it pays off, what it purports to be, and I think that it will, just based on the track record of not only the MCU, but also Ryan Coogler, um, Chadwick Boseman, and Michael B. Jordan. I think that this movie is poised to be number two overall, and possibly number one. And I'm so excited to see Wakanda. I'm excited. <laughs> I, I, I'm. There's no part of this movie that I'm not excited for. I'm excited for villain Michael B. Jordan. I think you put Michael B. Jordan in anything, frankly. I think that's just a recipe Makes for it better. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So number two, I know that I'm cheating a little bit. I get yeah. that. But Black Panther, I think, is uh, my number two. I feel like I'm having a high fidelity moment, and I'm Jack Black being like, I see what you did. How typical. <laughs> the idea of Black Panther to me is better than a lot of the other Marvel movies. So you're saying uh, that the anticipation, the high you're getting from, I keep saying high a lot in this yeah. thing, and I'm like, not a stoner, but like the uh, the 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 feely goodies that you're getting from Black Panther, just anticipating it is enough for you to put that in as your number two. Yes, okay. and just philosophically, getting to see stories told about people of color and uh, mm-hmm. getting a black character starring in one of these movies, I think is really powerful, um, especially for like my nephews, for example. Um, when my first nephew was born, my brother was like, "We'll get some black superhero stuff along with." the other things but like it's so hard to find anybody so for the first couple years he literally had a black lightning poster in his room i was like black lightning's so lame dude we gotta be able to find somebody else (laughs) well will it or or will the the next cw television show really sell Uh, it's not gonna make it look any cooler okay yeah yeah um that's funny i don't know this is just an aside note but um i think it was actually on um that guy john's a Twitter account or something, but there was mm-hmm. there was just a Twitter Twitter exchange that went on noting that uh, we have a movie, and it's obviously about an, an African kind of fictional African country, but uh, where Hollywood was in Hollywood, and there was actually only two white guys on the cover, and they noted that yeah, one of them yep. played uh, one of them played Gollum, yep, and the other one played uh, Bilbo, and they said yep. and someone was like yeah, they're the Tolkien white guys. Oh, that's such <laughs> yeah, a good joke. I saw that. That was definitely on John's Twitter. Yeah. He's a, he's a king of dad jokes. <laughs> That's nice. That is such a dad joke. Okay, yeah. so what what say you about that, Damien? Would you, do you accept do you accept oh, I, his reasoning I, I actually, for that? I accept I accept his choice. Um for for a number of reasons. It's if if you look at what Hollywood typically does, uh especially with franchised movies, this would almost be considered by many to be a risk with this be, being the basically the lead in to uh infinity war because yeah that's the last movie before infinity war uh you kind of got a good litmus test with thor ragnarok um especially based on the conversation with my friend from new zealand thor ragnarok was really a a very polynesian movie it was uh you know excuse the term not a very white movie at all And, and it shows you again that good stories are done with good characters good writing good directing and I think with Wakanda coming up, we're going to see a section of the Marvel Universe that we've never seen on screen, except for in, like in the in the animated features. But we've, for all intents and purposes, we we've never seen anything like this on screen, with a largely African and African American cast and crew. And I, I think it's it's going to be perfect because they're they're just they're treating it like it's another location 
and they give everyone equal weight on this. It's I'm more excited about this movie than any other superhero comic movie that has ever come out. And not simply because it is a movie about African-Americans, but because of, of what it represents in terms of uh, shifting the dynamic of Hollywood storytelling. I think they're, they're going to do an absolutely amazing job with it. Now, I have a I have a dire prediction on this one here <laughs> that um, I have a I have a feeling that we, we are going to see a, a lot more weighted on Wakanda than we might not have previously have expected or anticipated. Just because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, so we left, I believe, Civil War with the Winter Soldier is in Wakanda. I mean, he's in, under stasis right. or something like that. Uh, Bucky's there. And so we know that we see Bucky or the Winter Soldier uh, in the trailer for Infinity War. So mm-hmm. somebody wakes him up at some point. And we're going to yeah. have Wakanda featured. And also, Wakanda is featured pretty heavily in that first trailer for Infinity War. So... Uh, something is, there's going to be some kind of nexus that is very, very pivotal. I can tell you what it is. Plot. Oh, do you, do you know? Are you gonna, I mean, I don't know, but I think the really strong theory here is that <laughs> we don't have to brand it or anything, but okay. I think that the fifth uh, Infinity Stone is in Wakanda. Mm. I think that that's what we're going to find out in Black Panther, and then that's why Wakanda is one of the three settings that we see in the trailer for Infinity War. You got New York happening where the Eye of Agamotto is, uh, Doctor Strange and Spidey have to reckon with some stuff there. Yeah, there's stuff going on in outer space with the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor, where there are also some Infinity Stones up there. Yeah, and then I think that the fifth one, which we still haven't seen in any of the movies, is going to be in Wakanda. You, and that's you know an interesting point too, because they are, I mean, essentially the, the most technologically advanced yeah. nation mm-hmm. on the planet. Do you think that kind of plays into it? Probably they had this power source. They're also one of the most secluded places on the planet as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, it's funny you should say that because uh, a couple of people asked me the same thing earlier this week. They said, where do you think the last Infinity Stone is? And I said, if it's not in Wakanda, it's in a place that we haven't seen yet. But it wouldn't make sense for them to bring up a, a brand new location. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even if you go back to the most recent version of Infinity War that appeared in the comics when Thanos invaded Earth, Wakanda was one of the major staging grounds for his invasion. So mm. it goes, you know, it goes to show that they're again, they're, they're really following the source material. Uh, the, the fact that they have his uh, they have the Black Order coming in with them, which I was really excited about. Uh, Wakanda is going to be a very important part of this movie. And it's good that they're staging this now. And hopefully we get to see the final Infinity Stone in the, uh, in the next Black Panther movie. Coming out in February. So, uh, Dyer, your number two movie? Number two. I feel like we need to have some kind of like radio <laughs> like two. boom, number two. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's inter- interesting, Damon, that you said Captain America Civil War because I chose Captain America Winter Soldier. All right. For my number two. Again, not a major plot arc in the Infinity War uh, storyline, but. Uh, another espionage political thriller type thing going on, even more so than in Iron Man 3. And something about that, something about taking Captain America, who's like, it's really hard to make the Boy Scout interesting, you know, and essentially throwing him into a Jack Ryan story of sorts (laughs) and just making that work somehow uh, is just fascinating to me. But, um, I mean, everything in that film is just so well done from the story to uh, the big bad, which is essentially ourselves again, you know, our, our clandestine governments. 
And then that elevator fight scene alone is going to go down being kind of like an iconic, um, iconic fight scene. Almost the way that, you know, like we had that movie Groundhog Day and now on TV, everybody has some sort of like Groundhog Day episode somewhere or it's just redone everywhere as an homage. I have a feeling we're going to have homages to the elevator fight scene over and over again in some way. I think it's already been parodied on Saturday Night Live. Um, Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, so no, a Captain America Winter Soldier just being one of like the best just packaged films um, and just a good time. You, you don't really have to turn your brain on too deep for it, um, but it's just, I don't know, from start to finish, it's actually just like a really, really solid, good trip that you're on. It's kind of our first taste of this wave of um, comic book movies that are now dipping into other genres and whatnot in order to sell them. Like New Mutants is going to be a horror movie basically. Yeah. And I think that Winter Soldier was what you're saying. It's basically like a 70s spy thriller, but with yeah. Captain America in it instead of actual spies. It made me it made me feel like uh, they could have put Harrison Ford in a in a Captain America suit, as funny as that would be, <laughs> and just had him just run around being Jack Ryan yeah. and, and doing that. Because that's essentially what it is. There was a lot more going on of what is this political agency doing and what is this military agency doing and oh somebody's not being honest in the government over here and 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 then at the end it all adds up to conspiracy and you know he's got to run through it all and and then we also introduce the winter soldier who ends up being kind of a pivotal point in the next film as well so and the other thing that i really like about your choice of winter soldier i think is that um it's not necessarily one that you can watch on its own and understand it completely because you do have that relationship between uh cap and bucky that you kind of have to see the first one in order to fully grasp what's going on there but what's really great about this movie is that it speaks to the outside world in a way that i think that a lot of these don't where a lot of them turn towards their internal logic and you end up having uh even in iron man which we all love at the end of the day you have iron man fighting another iron man at the end of the movie and that's what culminates the entire thing and it makes points about the military industrial complex and stuff like that but what's nice about Winter Soldier is that it asks questions about our society and government that I think a lot of these movies are a little hesitant to get into um, because they want to sell the toys. They want to get the yeah. kids interested in stuff like, like, like that. And that's not necessarily a, a successful way to do that. Kids don't understand those questions. And well, that's they're still trying to wrap their heads around like, can I trust adults? Well, that's well, <laughs> that's what's wonderful about sci-fi and comic books. Essentially, I mean, people every now and then will complain. I, I want a comic book for a comic book. I don't want it to be political. But it's like science fiction, fantasy, comic books have always had this back door into our lives. You know, whether it was Star Trek or it was, well, I mean, in this case, Captain America Winter Soldier, there's always that layer on there where we're actually telling a story about ourselves to maybe look at ourselves in another way, which might help us get to somewhere better or just understand ourselves a little bit better. And yeah, Captain America Winter Soldier is a little bit of going into that back door to get a look at ourselves. Uh, are we on to number one now? We're on to number one. So quick uh, quick diversion okay. before we get mm-hmm. to number one. Build some suspense a little bit. I wanted to go around really quickly and get everyone's uh, top choice for Marvel TV slash oh, okay. Netflix show. And we'll just do a top one of those. It's totally just teasing the audience right yeah, now. Yeah, before we get to number one. <laughs> After these messages. <laughs> After the break. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Damien, I don't know if we uh, prepped you for that one, but if you don't have one, one of us can totally go first. But if oh, not, I, then... Uh... I, I stay ready. I stay oh, ready. Oh, awesome. Okay, all right. I offer you the floor then. 
I'm going to throw in my honorable mention first. My honorable mention, believe it or not, is Runaways, but I can't really judge it fairly yet because they're only about four episodes in. Okay. But I'm, I'm really pleased at the direction of that show so far. Um, but uh, for me, number one is Daredevil season one. Ooh. I know that's kind of a kind of a cheat, but I think it had I think it encapsulated everything about that character and its story right off the bat. And it hit it right on the head. It also had uh, my favorite Marvel villain so far, if you want to call him a villain, Wilson Fisk. Mm-hmm. Um, of all the Marvel movies and TV shows, he's been my favorite villain so far. And I think that's one reason why that show resonated so well for me. I have a very similar answer, so I'll go next. Um, honorable mention for me, though, is one that I couldn't pick because of the the kind of Marvel Prime uh, rule that we set up initially. So my favorite mm-hmm. Marvel show is actually Legion on FX, which I think is oh, good one. fantastic. But that's technically a, a Fox X-Men one, so it's not part of the rest of that universe. So I will well, also go... but Marvel Studios is associated with it, right? Are if they? I'm not mistaken. Ooh, so can I, I pick they, this one? I think they are, but it's not in the same universe, though, I think, right? It's, it's not in the same universe, but Marvel Studios does have a hand in the production of it. Okay. Well, I mean, if I could pick <laughs> Legion, then my pick would easily be Legion. It's just such a journey and the way that that story is told the way that it's shot every color means something the way that everything yes. is framed means something time moves in mysterious ways and you're not sure what's real and not real for a lot of the show and just going on that journey along with um along with uh legion the main character uh david was such a delight and that show was amazing but if i had to pick uh one of the Marvel Prime TV yeah. or uh, Netflix ones, I would also go Daredevil because All right. it's got the best action. Two need, for Daredevil. Now, yeah, right? two for Daredevil. The, the hallway scene alone, I think, yeah. yep. lifts it above the other Marvel TV shows. Okay. Yep. Two for Daredevil. All righty. Right now, listening to us talk about why we liked our television shows, I actually had an honorable mention and a favorite, and I'm going to flip those. <laughs> Okay. okay. Because one of them just I, I'm thinking about like everything that I've dissected into a into a show. I don't do as much as my honorable mention, which is Agent Carter. I actually oh, have like good. a very fond spot for that show. I, I think it's because it's a period piece, and it's it's like kind of I don't know. It's off to the side, so it's it's already happened. It's not really like in the films that we're doing now. Just kind of like this really. Um, I don't. I don't want to say cute as like an insult. Like it's just such a cute show, but like no, it I, really is just. I can tell you what you mean by cute is that it's it's set up like an old school TV show. Yeah. She's basically like wartime Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, no, it <laughs> oh, is good analogy. Yeah, no, it, it is, and it's uh no, it's just really it's just a show that again is just like really really fun to watch, um, and then especially in light of the films they're watching now, but. Uh, my favorite show, and, and Nick and I have disagreed slightly on this in the past, <laughs> uh, Luke Cage uh, for off the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. I can watch that sh- uh, show time and time again, and I will always catch something new, whether it's the books that he's reading, or the Ralph Ellison or Walter Mosley, the literature yep. that they put in it, whether it's the 1970s uh, films that they're just, they, they're kind of doing an homage to, the, the musical uh, montages that they're doing with live music, to drive through the store. Like, I, I love that show uh, quite a bit. Like, that is probably one of the most cinematically well done shows that Marvel has done throughout their entire universe. Somebody who is directing mm-hmm. that 
and putting that together put a lot more thought in it than I think any of the other shows. So, right, and and actually that that was my um, that was my second choice, and I've 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 kind of juggled between that and Daredevil was my first choice. Um, the thing that I really appreciate about appreciate about Luke Cage is the depth of the the characterization of that show, and by that I mean the way that Harlem was developed as a character, the secondary characters, their importance to the to the show, yeah. and. And of course, Luke Cage was the lead character, but he didn't need to always be the most important character, which is what I appreciated about it. And and Chael Coker, who who was a showrunner for the show, who's been a hip hop journalist for at least the last thirty years or so, put a lot of work into developing all those little nuances and the subtleties in the show that that give it that depth that a lot of people a lot of people took for granted until they watch it maybe a second or third time in some cases. Yeah, like was, I say, I always find was, something new. Yeah, a well, it was a well-layered show. That's good. Yeah, Very that's a really good way to put it, that uh, Harlem to Luke Cage is almost like Manhattan to every rom-com ever made. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yep, yeah. that is the comparison. That is, yep. yeah, the comparison. No, it's the Luke Cage. So, yeah, so now do we want to go number one? Yeah, with it's all bullet. come down to this. All right. All right. Our, our number, number one. one Marvel movies. Uh, Damien, we'll go with you first. All right. My number one Marvel movie is Captain America Winter Soldier. Ooh, um, okay. It is, first and foremost, it is my favorite Marvel movie so far. It was, to me, it, okay, so going back, by the time we got to Captain America Winter Soldier, we'd had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Marvel movies leading up to that. Um, if you start with the first Iron Man. And I felt that in order for us, and at this point we knew that we were eventually going to get to a a third Avengers movie sometime in 2018. So we knew that that, that was still five years away. And I felt like in order for them to make it to that point, they needed to evolve beyond what I felt like was the typical superhero type movie. And and really delve into something that was more genre based, and it was actually kind of cool that you mentioned that a moment ago. In that, I felt Winter Soldier was the first superhero movie in the cinematic universe that was of its own genre, so to speak, that political espionage thriller uh, genre. And then you see that a lot of the movies after that started developing other genres, like Ant Man was a caper movie. Uh, Doctor yeah. Strange was a straight-up sci-fi fantasy movie. Um, Spider-Man: Homecoming was a John Hughes movie, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And so you you saw that they started they started developing different genres for these movies, which I thought was really cool. Which started with Captain America: Winter Soldier. Um, also around this time, we learned that the Russo brothers would be directing the that third Avengers movie and the fourth Avengers movie. And up until that point, even before Winter Soldier came out, I was aware of them because I was a big fan of Community, one of the greatest sitcoms on TV ever. Yeah. I second that. And uh, they also directed episodes of Happy Endings, which yes. was also, uh, I was also a big fan of that show as well. Now, when it came to them directing a Captain America movie, with Captain America being one of my favorite comic characters of all time, and Winter Soldier, that storyline specifically being one of my favorite storylines of all time, I was like, how are these guys who directed the paintball episode of Community (laughs) (laughs) going to pull this off? So many great cool points you got for mentioning that episode specifically. 
one of the greatest. I mean, one of the greatest sitcoms of the last decade. One, I, of, the, I, one of the greatest and, episodes ever put on TV is that paintball oh, episode. Yes. But anyway, absolutely. And they they obviously pulled it off with flying colors. And I think this was the first movie that went beyond simply being a superhero movie. You could have just like you said, it could have been a Jack. Uh, Jack Ryan movie. This could have been a John Wick movie. You could yeah. have put anyone in that role, and it still would have been a good film. Period, and not just a good Marvel movie. And I think that was a critical first step in developing a movie that would eventually, or eventually developing a movie like Infinity War that should have a lot of action and a lot of emotional weight to it. And this movie gave me the confidence in knowing like eventually these guys are going to be able to pull it off when they when they get everything when they get all the characters on that stage they're going to pull this off because you know in in retrospect uh, a couple years after that we had Batman versus Superman which should have felt like a high stakes movie but there was never a time where i felt like anything was really on the line so to speak, I didn't. I didn't feel a concern for the characters' safety. I didn't. I never felt like the characters were in danger. Yeah. And Winter Soldier, you know, it was him against the world, basically. And and I felt like something was on the line all the time, even though I pretty much knew how the story was going to turn out. There were times where I was like, "Wow, this is this is deep." Um, you mentioned the the elevator scene. The scene that got it for me was the the scene where he actually meets Winter Soldier hand-to-hand uh, yeah. uh, right off of that bridge. And they have that hand-to-hand fight where, where Bucky's doing the, the knife play and all that. And I was just like, ah! <laughs> I can't take it. I can't take it. And I, I watch the movie every time I come across it on TV. I will sit down and stop what I'm doing to watch Winter Soldier because it was just that good. And and I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, Shout-out to the Russos for going from community to infinity war if there's a way that the community could still be on tv now and they do like an infinity war crossover i would just throw all my money <laughs> oh, in. oh i would love abed to show up in wakanda message to netflix <laughs> message to netflix to just uh who picks up all the shows that essentially get canceled and and make happy work. endings except happy endings mm-hmm. but uh yeah. could you just do another special for us community the uh war crossover netflix please yeah um kind of going off your point there it, to give the the roaster brothers credit oh um, wait 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 oh. infinity war paintball there we go infinity war paintball <laughs> let's do it they could yeah Sorry. you could have colors for every stone <laughs> oh yeah um but no yeah uh captain america the first film like the first avenger it's a fun film, and I think one of the reasons why it works is because it is a period piece, and you mm-hmm. can throw that Boy Scout cheesiness a little bit into that era, you know, and make it a little bit like, look at all these old, you know, reel-to-reel, you know, tapes that they're using back in the day. Remember when that happened? Like that, It was just kind of like this look into the past, and, and maybe yep. that, that cheesy Captain America character would work. It was a little nervous going into the modern era, era uh is this guy actually going to work in, you know, 2014 when this film actually came out? And they kind of, they just kind of turned that into a very aware joke during the whole time where, like, yeah. he's, you know, Googling and having to listen to his iPod about just to catch up on music. But in general, that, uh, I mean, that whole that whole setup was a little bit nerve-wracking for me going into just wondering, is Captain America even going to work as a modern character? I mean, they were going right. to have to launch off the Avengers and this other stuff. 
Um, and yeah. I think they pulled it off quite well and didn't really sacrifice him being that cheesy Boy Scout guy. You know, he's still he's still the guy's like, thank you, ma'am, you know, and like open up the door. He's still this guy from World War Two, but still somehow works. You know? Yeah, they let yeah. him continue to be yeah. a cornball patriot yeah. and decided that the patriot part of that was not at all mutually exclusive to the cornball thing. Like he yeah. could still be really cheesy, but also take his patriotism very seriously and lead to some really interesting questions in that movie uh, with the differences between patriotism and nationalism and how that pertains to whether or not we care about more uh, security or privacy and stuff like that. I thought yeah. that that movie was actually really elegant in the way that it did things. And I think it also the message was it, it really, really helps to have all that if you're really, really handsome. <laughs> also so, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so I forget the order. One? Do I do number one? I now? think you're doing number one. Yeah. Okay. You're number um, two for number one. I, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so my number one, we've already talked about a little bit because I figured that this would show up on a list before we got here anyway. But number one for me, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that following in the uh, the logic of my other two picks, Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok, what Guardians of the Galaxy has going for it is that they used the Marvel Cinematic Universe tools but gave it to a singular vision and let him take that cast and go out and make the movie that they wanted to make. It really defines what space looks like in the MCU. Um, I don't think that Thor Ragnarok would have looked the way that it did without some of the influence from guardians of the galaxy and the use of color and stuff like that in that movie. And um, when it came out, I thought that there was legitimate potential here for guardians of the galaxy to be this generation's Star Wars A New Hope in a way where it's a it's a space opera space romp they're just going uh around to different exotic locations and um it's a little fetch questy but yeah. it's fun the entire time that you're doing it and with, with a wink too, yeah kinda, with right? a wink yeah. the entire That's time a good way to put it in the climax of the movie Chris Pratt ends up singing and dancing his way out of a problem <laughs> and it somehow works because it fits the rest of the tone of that movie like yeah. they've built you up to that point yeah. where when that happens you're not rolling your eyes you're laughing along with them. And yeah. that's what really works about that movie. I also think that it speaks volumes to what I think of the MCU at large that I'm choosing as my favorite kind of a break away from the rest of those. It barely touches the rest of the MCU during it other than some of the Infinity Stone ground laying and a mention here or two of other things that are going on in the universe. But for the most part, you can watch Guardians of the Galaxy and have never seen the rest of the MCU and you'd be fine. You'd have a great time and it's a really good movie. So, Nick, I do have one objection to this. Okay. In that... Guardians of the Galaxy is also my number one. Oh, really? So, uh, so <laughs> just kind. I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna wait for for my turn. I'm just gonna roll it in there. Yeah, is there anything I, I missed? You. No, no. It's it's uh yeah. It's also my number one. Damien, I think it was your number three. So we're just gonna rocketing yeah. it up to to number one here. <laughs> rocketing, I like that. Rocketing. Uh, but yeah, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is. I think really it has a. This might be a little gimmicky, but it's unexpected. You don't. Like I said, most people in the comic book realm may know Guardians of the Galaxy. I was not as familiar with this group as other people were. So I kind of came into it fresh like a lot of movie-going audiences. And it was very, very surprising to the point where I brought people back to the theater to watch it with me. I didn't tell them anything about it. And they just thought, oh, it's another space movie. And they might have expected Star Wars. Or knowing me, they probably thought it's going to be another Star Trek thing. And then came out. Like, why, why didn't you tell us it was going to be like that? 
Like this was a very surprise, unexpected uh, romp through space. You know, it's it's really uh, and it's just really really well done. It does use nostalgia as a character, and I think that is very dangerous um, to do. <laughs> it, it, it could that could really come back and bite you. Um, it does it very very well. Uh, there's just a lot of these little other aspects into a film that you don't normally see uh, in films. And nostalgia, I think, is a good one. Yeah, the soundtrack is great. We didn't even mention Groot. Yeah. Who I think is one of the most winning characters who only says one, and then we yeah. find out later in the movie, two things. But so hard to pull off what they did such, here. such a paycheck for, uh, who does the voice? Vin Diesel? Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah. His greatest role. Oh, oh man. my goodness! His best acting job too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, I think it was Nick who said it just now, um, and literally took the words out of my mouth. With this kind of being Star Wars for a new generation, I actually took my niece, who was eight years old at the time, to to see this in theaters, and it was it was the first Marvel movie that she's seen in theaters. I, I think she watched Avengers on on a Blu-ray or something like that beforehand. And she was completely blown away by this movie at the age of eight. And that's when I knew that they had something on their hands. And walking out of the theater, the first thing she said was, I want a Rocket Raccoon doll and I want a Groot doll and I want them now. <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, this is, this is going to go over pretty well. And to this day, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is actually the, the Marvel movie that I've seen in theaters more than any of the other ones. Uh, I've seen it in theaters Five times. Oh, wow. Dang, I think I, nice. I, I think I saw Avengers. I think I saw Avengers and Winter Soldier each maybe four times at theaters. But this one I've, I've seen more than any other because it was also the one that I was. I know who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. I, I read the books and I was cautiously optimistic that people would latch on to it. You guys probably had the same thing. I had a lot of people leading into this movie going, who are they? You know, what, what, what should I expect? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, people are really asking about it. And when they pulled it off as well as they did, I turned around and I was telling everyone that I could, like, you need to go see this movie. I don't care if you like superhero movies or not. I don't care if you're into Marvel or not. You need to see this movie because it really is a good movie. And it could be the Star Wars of this generation. It has that potential to be that type of franchise. And everyone that I know... I, I I haven't run across a single person who did not like this movie. And I can't say that about most of the other Marvel movies. There's always someone that's like, eh, you know, it was kind of cool. Everyone that I know, high and low, young and old, loved Guardians of the Galaxy. And another kind of credit for, like, James Gunn to come through with this. Like, his previous f- films were, like, Scooby-Doo. Or something like <laughs> yes. that. Like, you know, and, 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 a, and I'm in a collection of other ones, too, and, like, television he did a lot of writing and you know some directing as well but i'm not sure people expected someone like that to uh he came from i think trauma like if you guys know that film no nope. company uh like toxic avenger and, oh, uh, and all those. oh yeah like, he didn't do yeah. that film but that's like that's the type of movie that that company does okay. i think he did some work with them so yeah just having like that guy come up and then also kind of surprise you um, and do also surprising, Damien. I don't know if you knew this, but he is the brother of Sean Gunn. Oh my God! Um, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> who plays Kirk on Gilmore Girls? Oh by God. the way, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, so Just throwing that out there to uh, to um, recap for everybody. Uh, 
Number three for me, Thor Ragnarok. Number two, Black Panther. Number one, Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's each uh, go around the room and then uh, people can go onto our Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Northwest Nerd, NW Nerd. It's the best way to find us, two words there. And uh, you can go ahead and comment on these at your leisure. I'm sure that many of you will disagree, especially those of you who... Uh, probably sped through the portion of the podcast where we all said that Iron Man was obviously number one, so we didn't include it. (laughs) So, um, Um, Damien, you want to go ahead and uh, recap your top three? Absolutely. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number two, Captain America Civil War. Number one, Captain America Winter Soldier. Awesome. And if people wanted to uh, get at you online as well, do you have a, a Twitter or a Facebook page you can point them towards? Absolutely. You can look for It's the Curly Nerd on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, just look up The Curly Nerd on Facebook. We're becoming more active on there. That's how we got in contact with these guys. And uh, please engage us in conversation. Please disagree. I love disagreements. That's how I make the best friends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, uh, honorable mentions of Spider-Man Homecoming and Agent Carter. Luke Cage was my show. Number three, Iron Man 3. Number two, Captain America Winter Soldier. And number one, Guardians of the Galaxy. Awesome. Well, uh, Damien, thank you so much for coming on the show. The pleasure is all mine. Very excited. I loved it. Thanks again to Damien for coming on the show. We had a lot of fun chatting with him, and uh, the Curly Nerd podcast is a lot of fun too, so go check them out. You can find them on all the regular podcast apps, but it might be easiest for you to find them first on their website, curlynerd.com or it's thecurlynerd.com. Him and Jess do a great show, so go give them a listen for sure. Coming up on our next show here on Northwest Nerd, Dyer sat down with the Hoot Hoots, who you can hear a tiny bit of right now behind my voice. They're one of the best nerdy bands around, and they've got some exciting stuff coming up that just might be their nerdiest endeavor yet. Stay tuned for that story in episode 31. We'll see you next week, nerds! Nick's friend group is like entering into a Levi's jeans commercial where I don't know what is happening.